0: get ready to start your new morning ritual with our new sponsor, Mudwater. Coffee is one of America's favorite beverages with more and more people starting their coffee habits every day with a cup of that flavorful anxiety juice. But let's be real. Have you ever heard anyone say, I'm working on getting more coffee into my life? Millions of people complain about the jitters that come from coffee consumption. Our morning coffee rituals can be habit forming and for some people can make getting a good night's sleep almost impossible and while nearly all of us like the smell, taste and ritual of our morning coffee, why not explore eliminating the negative aspects of our morning brew? Well, what if your coffee replacement helped induce alertness not dependency improve mental capacity and function improve physical stamina and performance improve immunity and overall health oh and by the way it tastes good enough to drink every single day meet mud water mud water is your fastest growing coffee alternative in the market consisting of organic ingredients lauded by cultures both old and young for their health and performance benefits with one-seventh the caffeine of coffee mud gives you the natural energy and focus you expect from coffee but without the jitters and crash With an organic blend of mushrooms and ingredients like cacao, marsala chai, turmeric, lion's mane, and more, Mudwater offers a beverage like no other. Whether you want to enjoy it hot, cold, as a latte, or however you take your coffee in the morning, Mudwater is the zero sugar, zero crash, zero jitter alternative sure to leave you feeling recharged and refocused. Listen, I'm really excited to have Mudwater as a sponsor here on The Brian Nichols Show because I've been able to see the Mudwater difference for myself, and you can too, so click the link in the show notes. To get some mud, support the show, and get your new morning ritual started right with Mudwater. And now, onto the show. Can I pause for a second and just note that uh, we got Brian on here, who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on, and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Brian Nichols here. Yes, I am your humble host. And surprise, you're in store for a different kind of episode today, as today I'm going over to our good friend Brad Palumbo's amazing new podcast, Breaking Boundaries, as yours truly had the uh, the utmost fortune of uh, having the opportunity to talk to Brad about sales and marketing. So, as we discussed back on Monday that's the vision and future of what we're doing here at The Brian Nichols Show, talking about how we can most effectively sell liberty and meet people where they're at, and this is really a great starting off point, I think, for us at the Brian Nichols Show here in 2021 to to really outline how we can do that as a greater liberty movement. So thank you, Brad, for having me on the show. Folks, strap in, and by the way, if you did not yet have the chance, go ahead and make sure you hit subscribe on Brad's phenomenal show. So with that being said, on to the show, yours truly on Breaking Boundaries here on the Brian Nichols Show. Hey, everybody,
1: and welcome back to the show for a little bit unusual episode of the Breaking Boundaries podcast with me, Brad Palumbo, coming at you live from my mom's office uh, in her house in Rhode Island. So a little bit makeshift on this week, but we, we've got a great guest with us nonetheless. Uh, his name is Brian Nichols. He is a libertarian podcaster uh, by night and by day, a marketing expert. If you haven't, if you haven't ever before, you should check out his show, the Brian Nichols Show. It's a podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and they have this great recurring guest that you might have seen or heard of before. I think his name is Brad Something. He's got that great jawline. Uh, you know, I, I I'm sure you've you've seen him somewhere. Uh, anyway, Brian, thanks so much for coming on.
0: Absolutely. I wonder who this guy is that you're referring to. I I think I think I'm, I'm quite familiar with him. Uh, he's yeah, pretty good cool economics. Kind of like- Genius level IQ, dashing good looks,
1: uh, but you know, stunningly modest in all of it. <laughs> It'll come to me. His name,
0: <laughs> Brad. Thank you so much, my friend, for uh, for having me on. Breaking boundaries. I've been excited, excited since, since you since launched, launched this this awesome, awesome program, and I was looking forward to uh to, to coming on the show to discuss all things in liberty. Uh, and and thank you for the awesome introduction. Yeah, sales is kind of my my thing sales and marketing and uh you know we need it more in liberty movement because we need to apply the value of things that we're talking about day in and day out to real people right i mean that's what we're doing right we're supposed to be doing at least
1: yeah so that's that's a great place to start uh because I think that's something that's sorely lacking from the modern uh, liberty movement and politics in general. But you are are good because you're not a career pollster or a typical D.C. journo. You actually have a job that creates value in society and you're out there working and then you do libertarian podcasting by night, a very successful libertarian podcast. But uh, so first, tell us a little bit about yourself. And then what are the kind of basic principles of marketing that you think are relevant to this discussion?
0: yeah for sure so a little bit about me um i'm pretty much your your tried and true traditional story of libertarian who found his way through either Ron Paul, Rand Paul, or some variation of someone that is underneath that greater umbrella um, from the greater tea party movement. I remember 2008 uh, watching Ron Paul go after Rudy Giuliani during the GOP debates. And I'm like, that sounds different. Um, And that kind of planted that seed originally of thinking that maybe there's something beyond this greater GOP world. So, you know, throughout my, uh, you know, next, ten years or so of of going through and exploring politics, I find myself in this weird libertarian, conservatarian, greater liberty movement and uh it Really, I found myself over the past three years of doing the Brian Nichols show. uh, You know, as I've discussed all these, you know, happenings and news and events and stuff, and in greater liberty politics with, you know, the movers and shakers of the movement, over the past, I would say, six months or so, I've really found myself getting cozy in the niche that I find myself for my day job, which you alluded to. And that's in in sales, sales and, and, and marketing and trying to reach your average person and instill some value. Because I think at the end of the day, one of the bigger problems that we've had as a greater movement has been well we really have great ideas but we can't communicate them to an average person to to leave them feeling like oh these people have more to talk about than just bumper sticker slogans which unfortunately has become you know it's synonymous with a lot of libertarian or conservatarian politics and we need to get beyond that and be able to talk about the real issues to people um, where it matters most so you ask you know what's the, uh, the, the fundamental you know basics of marketing sales 101 and really, it, it first and foremost begins with the, the who you're talking to. Know your market, right? So uh, I'd say one of the the greater issues with the liberty movement, by and large, has been not really knowing who we're going after, right? We we kind of seem to, uh, you know, the the analogy, if you were to look at shooting a shotgun versus a sniper, right? We seem to do a lot of shotgun shells trying to to you know scatter our shot across the uh, the, the the notion of the the political landscape, but Really, we need to start, you know, being sharpshooters and looking to to focus on issues that not only are are issues that people really care about, but number two, issues that are strongly overtly pro-liberty, pro-libertarian. So, you know, looking at it right now, I'd say the, the number one meeting people where they're at. Lockdowns, right? Like the the economic lockdowns in response from the government uh, to the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. I mean, that's really been the number one issue that I think has been uh, sorely lacked uh, from a response from the greater liberty movement. You have some folks more in the Republican uh, conservative movement who have taken this this argument of in ending the lockdowns or being anti-lockdown, which I think we've really missed the, the opportunity to lead that forward. Uh, but then after you're able to talk about the issues that people care about, it's it's trying to pique their interest, right? How do you meet them, number one, where they're at, and number two, actually get them to say, okay, tell me more, right? And this, <laughs> this has been one of the biggest problems, I think, where a lot of libertarians lose folks. We start out and we say, here's the book. And name the book whatever your book it's rothbard Hazlitt, friedman i don't care right and you throw that book at them and you say read this get back to me in a couple days and you will be the best libertarian out there and after that i'll give you some more books and you'll become an even better libertarian you can't you can't educate people to death on on liberty. It's not how it works. We have to again go for the the specific issues and and let's talk about the lockdowns. Right? You can you can make it a specific issue for a locality's um you know, response to the lockdowns. What's what's been the the homeless increase uh, in your community? How has that been impacting your 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 in you know your your uh, community, your businesses? How, how have the people in your community been able to to live? You know, get food. Let let's you know go and talk about those specific issues and then get them to say, okay, well. What what what's your answer, right? And that's where we have to create value, and we have to show that we're serious in offering the solutions that we talk about day in and day out in all of our little group group chats and such. You know, we have to actually show that what we're talking about can actually work. So we have to uh, bring people who are not just the activists, but also people who are legitimate elected official contenders, people who want to you know be part of this this game that we have to play right now if we want to see anything get better. And we have to actually get people into office who are going to get these policies that we talk about day in and day out into action to show that this stuff actually, it matters, it it will help your average person. Now, that's a long answer, right, to to say, you know, from step you know one to step, you know, 10 in the sales cycle, but really it does come down to these three underlying, uh, you know, principles, number one. Meet people where they're at. Number two, you had to pique interest. Number two, create value. And and the way that we do this, right, is not by going through and and just talking people to death. We have to start in by kind of what I I found myself doing, Brad. And this is and this is like that's how I'll wrap up this little thought process. Is this is how my show started. I started doing my show as an interviewer, asking people questions because. I found myself in this greater liberty movement, and I wanted just to learn as much as I could to be a sponge and talk to people, but as I'm asking questions, I'm finding that we're finding a lot of solutions to the problems we see out there, but we need to be able to ask the people that we're talking to the questions to get them to tell us what matters to them, right? So instead of going in guns ablaze and saying, we know what you care about, and we're gonna fix it all for you, we have to go in and say, tell me what's wrong. What's What's up with your community? What's wrong... What's What's been something that's been your, your bed bug, air quote, issue? And I say bed bug issue, the issue that really bothers them. And once we can solve that bed bug issue, we now become the trusted advisors to them. And that's the underlying principle of everything, whether it's politics, sales, is trust. We have to build trust. Right now, we don't really have much of a track record to to look back at and say, here's this foundation bedrock of trust that we've established no, we have to actually start cultivating that. I believe we do that through going more of a local approach, focusing on um, you know, not these big federal elections all the time. But when we do these federal elections, let's have somebody to the point we've had when you on my show. Let's have somebody who's actually a credible person who will get people to actually ask some more questions. So that's kind of um, the, the the long and short of this uh, sales. Um, now, we're trying to apply it to politics it is a little different because. There's no product you're selling and it's tough to get a KPI to measure are you measuring votes? are you measuring policy? So we have a, a difficult way of saying are we being successful? And I'm looking to try to get it so we can say yes, we have policy, yes, we have electoral wins and we'll see it you know by and large, this kind of you know upward trailing slope of positive liberty wins across the board.
1: Right, so let's pull out a couple things there that just kind of as takeaways that I that I noticed that I think are uh, something an insight that not everyone has. Uh, number one, right, the sniper, not the buckshot. Right now, it kind of seems like the liberty movement at, at large is trying to convince America to become all libertarians, and it, in reality, it's like you should be targeting specific coalitions, right? Like right. Joe Jorgensen. Or whoever the libertarian candidate is or the libertarian Republican should be finding the people who marijuana is their number one issue and telling them I'm better than the Democrat. I'm better than the Republican on this. If this is your issue, vote for me. I'm the best Second Amendment candidate going to all the gun groups. That's, I think, where you got to go. And that gets to your second principle you identified, which is listening instead of talking. And I myself am guilty of this, too, but libertarians love to talk and they love to hear themselves talk and they love to talk about how amazing their ideas are. But you can't talk people into voting for you. You have to listen to them. The most effective libertarian activists that I know of are the people uh, who work at Young Americans for Liberty and go around and knock on people's doors and ask them what their problems are that they're concerned about. And then they explain why their libertarian leaning candidate usually through the GOP, but sometimes through the official LP, uh, has the solution to that. And that's what I think so many people have gotten backwards, right? You can tell people they Bingo. should care about the Federal Reserve. But if they don't, then you're just indulging your own ego. You're not actually advancing the political cause. So maybe that kind of brings me to the, the next question, Brian, which is Looking at the state of the broader liberty movement, like you defined it, right? Neither of us are partisan people. We're about liberty, whether that's a Republican candidate or an LP candidate or an independent right. or even a progressive Democrat on some issues. Uh, but where are the the biggest issues where they've gone wrong uh, in the last five years in terms of this approach and not meeting people where they're at beyond the lockdowns, which that's a good example. But what are some other key examples that come to mind?
0: I mean, first and foremost, you look no further here at the 2020 election, right? Um, I think we completely, completely dropped the ball on making the lockdowns the number one issue. I mean, Brad, candidly, I, I can't think of a more like anti Liberty act from government that has impacted quite literally everybody in some way, shape or form. And we dropped the ball and even talking about it as like the number one issue. I don't understand that because I think, you know, we, we did a great job discussing you know from from really from may on about criminal justice reform black lives matter and so forth but we dropped the ball entirely about then saying well let's talk about these businesses that are that are being you know being boarded up because now they can't pay their their rent they they can't pay their utilities and they're you know putting people out of work because these people they they don't have places to go because you're not allowed to have a job because you're not an essential worker right And and the idea like essential versus non-essential employee or non-essential worker that's so dystopian and yet it really is right and yet we didn't really focus on that like i think we could have so i'd say that right now is easily like the the biggest issue um you know one of the the greater things I, i think i forget who it was i was listening to they were discussing the gary johnson campaign of 2012 and it's just general, basic, platitudes, right? Like the live free, we're socially liberal and fiscally conservative, the, the Gary Johnson wishy-washy. And don't get me wrong, I think Gary Johnson's probably a swell guy, but like you can't just be this, this wet noodle of a candidate and expect people to be inspired. And you have to actually talk about this stuff in a matter-of-fact way. You can't be like, well, you know, we're fiscally conservative and socially liberal and it's like gary that's not even what it means to be a libertarian if you're going to try to explain what it means to be a libertarian at least tell people what it means um so i'd say that would be you know maybe the top issues i see um and then I, i will say and i'm not trying to snipe at any particular people but there are definitely some i'd say voices who are no longer a part of lp leadership who spent more time focusing on going after people within the greater libertarian movement instead of trying to advance libertarian principles, and I sadly see that with a lot of libertarians, even to this day, trying to push people out. Who are the bad people? Who are we going to un-libertarian today? I don't play in that kind of politics. I don't I don't like it. I think it's silly. It's very divisive, and I, candidly, Brad, the, the battles that we're facing going beyond 2020, I mean, we're recording here on New Year's Eve, right? Like, 2021 and beyond I mean we're talking about like people being able to open a business up to be able to put food on the table like I think that's more of an issue than trying to like take little nuances and, and out of context tweets or screenshots and trying to like unlibertarian people I think we really have a responsibility as libertarians to be above that and and really to lead by example because candidly you look at the republicans and Democrats, and they're both terrible. I mean, like I know obviously there are exceptions to the rule, but like we have a golden opportunity to be the alternative and yet we can't even get out of our own way to, to be that alternative and, and to give mm. us a, actually a fighting chance. So I think that's maybe part of the reason, right? Why, why we really haven't caught on to people. I've been saying this, Brad, since I started my show in January of 2018. Nobody, nobody is going to take the Libertarian Party seriously until we take ourselves seriously.
1: Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, And you're right. The the good politicians are the exception. I mean, think about the 2020 ticket. Some people who listen to this may have voted for Trump. Some may have voted third party. Some a few may have voted for Biden. And I get it. There's lots of reasons and lots of debates. But anyone can admit these are not two stellar, strong candidates that the parties put up. I mean, Trump. Where to even begin with that guy. Biden is a shell of his former self and running on a much further left platform than anything he supported in his career before this. So there was ample, ample, ample opportunity for a viable alternative, but there wasn't one that was provided. And I think you touched on just to continue with this thread of what do people care about and then talking about that. Here's the thing that I want to get your thoughts on, whether we like it or not. The American populace and voters at large are becoming more populist. Yes, they are. Be- they have this populist sentiment that they are sick of woke mega corporations. They are sick of concentrated power and big tech. They think they're being screwed over, uh, and the little guy, and society isn't working for the American dream, and it's serving the interests of the well-off and well-connected. Here's the thing, though. All those things are true. But the diagnosis being provided by populist politicians like AOC and Bernie Sanders or like Trump and Josh Hawley is totally wrong. They think the right. daddy big government can come save the day when in reality, the system is rigged by the government in favor of the well-off and well-connected. I mean, 25% of all PPE money went to the, the Paycheck Protection Program, the COVID stimulus, right. went to the top 1% of companies. That's nuts. That's the swamp in a nutshell. But so one thing I think that the broader liberty movement has totally dropped the ball on is setting ourselves up as populists in our own way, rather than saying populists are stupid. Oh, they're silly little. No, they're all racist or dumb or evil. Uh, or just even dismissing them as simpletons that's yep. that's kind of the elitist beltway libertarian mentality sometimes and the truth is they're tapping into something real what they're not doing is going to the correct solutions to those problems right because more big government means more opportunities for crony capitalism it means more opportunities for the system to be uh, skewed against the little guy but when we seed the the ground on the populist groundswell then we're basically saying Well, we we don't want to compromise what we think about populism, so we just won't even try to reach those voters in that base. I think that's a colossal mistake. Uh, What what say you?
0: Isn't it hilarious that we as libertarians preach all day long about not thinking through collective mindsets, and then yet we will look at people in a populist mindset – in a collective way, and <laughs> we instantly will write them off, saying, "Nah, we're not gonna talk to these people. Or we're gonna unperson these people because they maybe say some icky things or, or uh, you know, have have icky thoughts." And and that goes on both sides, right? Like, I mean, you, you want to talk to some of these like rabid communists out there? Like they have no qualms whatsoever, being like, "Yeah, like these people, gulag off you know day one." And that's a very real. Like we don't I, I, we don't unperson people who engage in conversation with those severe, I would say misguided folks <laughs> on the, the hyper hyper left, right? Um but I would say again it's if we're looking to, to lead by example like we were talking about earlier, I think we need to to yield away from those AOCs, Bernie Sanders, Josh Hollies, and instead embrace the 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 trifecta of people like Thomas Massey, Tulsi Gabbard, Justin Amash. Like these and I'm using those three as an example. I actually just listened to uh, it was a uh, Tulsi Gabbard and, and Thomas Massey over on me too, Matt Kibbe's, yeah, on, on Kibbe yeah, on Liberty on Matt Kibbe's awesome program. Uh, which I you know had a great chance to see you, Brad, in person. I was down there to a record with Matt talking about sales. Um, but I say I, I say this because they outline exactly how I think we as libertarians, conservatarians, just people who are in favor of, of small L libertarianism or liberty in general can find allies like a Tulsi Gabbard. And I'd say there's a lot we disagree with, with Tulsi on, right? And and I know you're going to be having her on your show sometime soon. And You're going to probably dig into those. And mm-hmm. we can work with somebody like a Tulsi Or I'd say like an Andrew Yang who is entering into the conversation in good faith and is looking to actually diagnose things through what more of an objective lens and and being realistic, but also wanting to hear the other side. And and I think this is the part that I, I did hint at. It's extremely important. It's that good faith part. We see way too many folks, and I would say we as libertarians do this way too often, is we engage in the debates and such with folks who are entering into conversations in not good faith. And candidly, it's, it's a big waste of time. And I think we kind of get off on this, like, oh, the, the libertarian owns the leftist mentality. And I mean, one no look further than YouTube and you'll see like the Ben Shapiro owns leftic, leftist college student video, like the top of all the, the YouTube searches, because people want to see it happen. But if we're actually talking about what we talked about earlier, right, building these coalitions and trying to build these these bridges right to actually have some some real policy wins i think we have to go tap into that populist mentality that somebody like a tulsi gabbard a thomas massey and a justin amash would reflect to more than than you would see as the the trump people but we don't do that by, by abandoning principles we you do that by changing again the way that you're talking about the message to people there's a reason that ron paul was so, so successful because he was talking to people about the issues that mattered in the context of the time. Right now, if you were to have Ron Paul talking about the Federal Reserve, I don't know if it's gonna get people as inspired as it did in 2008 because we weren't going through a massive bailout of the, the housing and, and auto industries. And you're seeing the, the direct ramifications of 10 years or so of, you know, just spending money for our overseas interventions. Like that was a perfect example. But then I say, well, hold on. We just had what, the biggest spending ever in a year like that might make sense but do people really know about the federal reserve right now probably not they're more focused on like putting food in the table right like 2008 to 2010 was a very rough time but i don't think it was as as, as severe as like having people literally not being able to go do jobs like if you were a bartender like you could go find another job at a different bar if your bar shut down if you're a bartender and your your bar's been closed by the government There's no other bars to go to because they've all been closed by the government too. So like now you're having a situation where those type of people who could be working are just looking for anything. And they're not, they're like, okay, Federal Reserve, I don't care. How is that going to help me get food to the table yesterday? That's why the $2,000 proposal by Trump is being embraced by the leftists in in the Senate and the House. And it's terrifying to me because it's one of the big red flags I saw from the beginning with Trump is that I would not put it past him at all to start going more left if he did win his second term in office, because he doesn't have conservative bona fides. That was one of the biggest knocks against him back in 2016. Was that who is he? <laughs> like, what's he gonna do? And he kind of, I say, he qualms some of those fears when he appointed folks like Gorsuch and then eh, Kavanaugh. But then Amy Coney Barrett, she she definitely was a, a step back in that direction. But other than that, you know, we have a few policy wins, but. Trump's kind of a he's a what a chameleon he changes with the with, with what's around him and it's a blank even, slate.
1: He can be well, influenced by others very easily.
0: Well, especially when there's something to gain. Right now, he knows he's he's in trouble and he's trying to put. I think you know this one positive swipe of like a, a paintbrush on the last painting of his presidency in to create some sense of like oh remember trump he, at least he gave us that two thousand dollars at the end i think that's kind of what he's trying to do is like get some win some win to wrap up his uh, his presidency i know just saying we're wrapping up his presidency is controversial um but i i do think that he's he's coming to that conclusion now himself you're starting to see it in the way he approaches uh you know the 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 conversations about it. like you know if if i'm if i am you know the person that's going to be in office next he, he continues that kind of thought you know yeah.
1: So I'm glad you brought up Trump and Ron Paul and a few of these other people, because this brings me to one of my, uh, I have, a, I have a, a good friend, Jack Hunter, who used to work for mm. Rand Paul and mm. is a huge Rand Paul fan. And he has a theory about politics that I, over the last few years, I've really become quite convinced by. And his theory is that people aren't so much ideological per se, as they attach to personas and mm. cults of personality. Yes, and when you ask yourself, Uh, Who have been the most influential people in our politics in the last 10 years? Think about the names that come to mind. Bernie Sanders, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Donald Trump. Those are the in the last five years. All those people, whether you love them or hate them, have magnetic personalities. Mm -hmm. They have huge social media reach. People follow them to whatever ideological turf they go to. Yep. And they start on a somewhat similar page and then they trust this person, like you said, building yes. trust. Yes. And then that person can guide them to an ideological destination and movement. And that's the problem. It's like the, the single most effective libertarian people are simply Ron Paul and then, then now Rand Paul. I mean, Rand Paul has millions of followers across social media. He's on cable news reaching millions of people every single week so he has a smaller compared to a bernie or a trump but he has a very sizable you know five million people right. that follow him on facebook that when he puts forward a policy proposal to cut 55 billion of government waste like he did last week uh there's a huge base that goes with him because they trust ron paul uh, Rand paul rather and they say yeah ran drain the swamp go get him, right like that is how the average American works, because the average American isn't like you and I who are political junkies and checking no. Twitter all day. The average American <laughs> learns to trust a specific figure or individual. You know, your average person who works and has a family and has kids, does not have time to go through and study every single policy issue. You know, what do I think of nuclear energy sub- subsidies, right? What right. they do is they they get a gist of somebody. This person shares my values and I respect this person and this person cares about me. I'll go wherever they go. And that's what you need to have a winning movement in my view. And I think that's essentially marketing. So, I mean, what what is your kind of marketing approach say to, to that kind of strategy?
0: I mean... At the end of the day, Brad, right? Like, it. There's no. There's no right or wrong answer in sales. It's a matter of what we can look back and effectively measure as as being successful. Um, and right now, what we can look and measure as have being successful in politics has been, to your point, it's the personas, right? Trump has taken the GOP, and this is one of the big fears of Trump back in in 2015. He is, I think, taken a lot of people ideologically speaking, more towards this left-wing nationalist populist approach to economics, right? More, well, I'd say more of a Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders approach to, uh, to, to economics than your traditional free market libertarian that you would see back like a Rand Paul, uh, you know, openly though to, like folks like Josh Hawley or um, Tucker Carlson talking about uh, these economic policies through a, a very populist lens and people are listening because at the end of the day what what moves people and this is whether it's moving people in the market for votes or in the market for a product right it's whatever it is somebody's seeing value in their action in either buying that product or casting their vote for that person. And, and again, who, who has really inspired people from a libertarian perspective in the greater big L libertarian party? Honestly, like I can't think of any, right. And that's part of the problem is that we're not having anybody who has that platform, right? With the big L libertarian next to their name to have anybody be like, oh yeah, I can trust that person because the people they see are just people that, and this is sad, they come across as just average people, right? Like, I'm an average person, I'm a sales executive. You're like, like, that's, to them, they'd be like, okay, I can trust Brian to you know deliver awesome telecom and cybersecurity solutions, but like, can I trust him to, to run a government? <laughs> Right and like we need, uh, say, as libertarians, and I'm, I'm now I'm focusing specifically on big L libertarians. We gotta start building up the bench, and and I say that you know looking at like what Cliff Maloney's is doing and saying, build the bench of people who we can then look to in the future and say, oh, you're looking for somebody to run for Congress in this area. Well, guess what? We have a, a state rep who's a big L libertarian who's been there for ten years, and they would be a great opportunity or a great uh, op- option to replace said incumbent who's been there for 30 years and and now people would say oh yeah you know they've been in senate for 10 years like i know that person i know senator johnson like yeah that guy and that's what we need we need to have somebody be like oh yes i know that person i trust that person whether it's for dog catcher for city councilor city commissioner to congress senate and president right we gotta start having people that we can look to and say yeah do you trust that person? Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? They they're libertarians. And that's why I think when we, you were on the show, Brad, and we were discussing this in detail, we were discussing folks who are celebrities that people for better, for worse trust, right? That, that, and that's kind of why Trump got the the nod in 2015. People looked at him through the lens of we've known him since what the eighties really, I mean, seventies and eighties. And you know, like, he was a rap lyric. Everybody wanted to be like Trump and You see that your average person through, you know, whether it's knowing him through that, reading the art of the deal, watching him on The Apprentice, they kind of knew Trump and for better or for worse, trusted him and what he was saying to them based on their thinking they know who he is. Right. And that's why Bernie Sanders has the appeal. That's why Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez gets hundreds of thousands of people streaming on Twitch with her every single time she goes on because people million. Yeah, because people think that she cares, right? And that's what people want in, in their politicians, somebody who trusts, they can trust, somebody who they think cares about them, and somebody who's going to go to bat for them, right? People who are Trump supporters, and I'm, I'm probably generalizing here, but they genuinely look at Trump as somebody who cares about them. I'm not saying they're right or wrong, but that's usually – the, 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 he's like he is that last wall of defense to – to them the, the you know the end of the united states or the end of you know society as we know it and and they trust him to be that that voice and why aren't they trusting us that's the question that libertarians that's the question that conservatarians, conservatives need to be asking more frequently not not are our ideas right? But why don't people trust us? We know we already got that part down. We know our ideas are right. Like you put them into the, the, the battle place of the market, right? We're going to win 10 times out of 10. But then you have to ask, well, okay, why are people looking at that and then still trusting us? Why aren't they taking the definitive and empirical data that we have before us and saying, yeah, that makes sense. Let's listen to these folks. That's a question we got to start being able to answer. And I, I'm challenging libertarians to get out of our own, our own heads and what we think the answer is. And actually start to ask people, you know, genuine questions, figure out what's, what's their, their issue, build that trust, and then we can actually see some real change.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm glad that you brought that up because to me, a big part of trust is name recognition. You can't trust somebody if you don't know who they are. Uh, So maybe you can speak to this from a literal marketing perspective, because companies pay thousands and thousands of dollars just to have ads. So people recognize their name, not even to show like this, this product is great, but just to show alone, like our, our logo. So people will recognize it. And someone like Joe Jorgensen. You know, she and I have to explain to people who she is. She was the 2020 Libertarian Party presidential nominee. I would be shocked if she had five percent name recognition in the country. Even the most successful libertarian in the nation, Justin Amash, probably only has a small percentage of national name recognition, uh, though hopefully that will continue to grow. Um, But so someone like Donald Trump comes in and everybody knows him and that's gets him. Yeah, right. that gets him halfway through the door just from the very beginning. So I think that's part of the problem is nobody can know nobody can trust you if they don't know who you are. So just Brian, just how important is that name recognition aspect uh to political success?
0: It's huge. I mean it's it's massive. It, to not have the the instant like oh yeah, that person or that that party, right? Like I was actually just talking about this with Dan Berman, I think it was over in his show, um, and we were discussing, it was an ad that Doritos did, and it's still on TV, you might be able to see it, and the Doritos ad is literally just the shape of their bag, and the color of their bag, but no, no Doritos logo or anything, and the point of the ad is to be like, you know that flavorful chip that's inside that bag. You know that the nacho cheese or the cool ranch flavor, you know the shape of the chip, you know the smell, that feeling in the fingers and stuff. And they, they talk about this and it's like, oh yeah, like you know exactly what, that's Doritos, right? And you instantly, like you you know it, but it's why? Why do you know it? And it's because, again, you've been so conditioned seeing it time and, and, and you know, every single day of your life in, in many situations. And and you kind of just grow to be comfortable with it. That's kind of how Trump, you know, got into to politics. People were like, Oh yeah, that guy, right? He's been toying with politics forever. And and people again, trusted him. They knew his name. Uh, you know, goodness, Brad, we just went through Christmas. You go to watch Home Alone too. And yeah, Trump was a, a funny little part of a Christmas movie cameo, right? <laughs> and, right? And and people were like, oh yeah, that guy. Like that 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 was Trump. And and it meant more back in the nineties as, as him being an icon of of success. And that again, that name recognition. There are still people who I would say were predominantly part of his base that voted entirely based on that Brand recognition and I mean, look, you see the name Trump, Trump Hotel. They're all over the, the, the world. I mean, goodness, you could probably find some some guy halfway across the world. You show them a picture of Trump, they'd be like, "Oh yeah, Trump." They'll know the name, right? And that's that's huge. Just to be able to have people, to at least looking down the ballot and saying like, "Who's this person? This person? Oh yeah, I know this person." That's why, like, good. If we had somebody like a uh, you know. Dwayne the Rock Johnson or Mark Cuban, right? Like I'm not saying they're they're a libertarian by any stretch, but a name that's like, oh, that guy, yeah, Dallas Mavericks guy, oh yeah, movie star guy, for better or for worse. That's why Schwarzenegger won, honestly, in California. Right, he he comes in to a it it was a jungle primary in California. There was you know no real. Next line of succession, if I remember correctly, the lieutenant governor was in trouble or something along those lines, but Schwarzenegger comes in out of nowhere, no real political experience whatsoever, and boom, overnight becomes the governor of California. It happens like that. And 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 that could be a libertarian. It could be. But I mean, libertarian, uh, you know, libertarian famous people, name them on one hand pretty much. And And I mean, that's sad because I think there's more libertarians out there who they're not open about you know, being a libertarian, they kind of keep it close to the vest because there is, again, this this kind of culture war that we've discussed many a time when you've been on the program, right? You know, to, to not say the, the wrong thing, to commit wrong think, it's a really big thing. And, um, you know, I think it starts with us, you, what we're doing, Brad, and it's re- openly talking about this kind of stuff. And, and I think you're gonna find, and I'm not saying you, I'm saying the, the audience in general, people in general are gonna find that more people think and are having these conversations in their own, you know, their daily conversations with their coworkers, with their family, their friends, then we realize, and they're just kind of afraid to to bring those conversations into mainstream. They don't want to go into the you know the fifteen thread Facebook back and forth with Aunt Susan because they're like, I'm not going to change Aunt Susan's mind, and she's not going to change my mind, and and is it really worth my time and energy? So I'm just not even going to put that that side of me out there. And you see that from people. I think we have a chance right now to show the way that we can have these conversations to, to disagree. And at the same point in time, still be able to have a civil discourse and define find common ground, even when we we don't walk away, you know, from the conversations having 100% agreement. That's okay, like that's how the world is supposed to work. That's how the market works. Like there's no one perfect product. You have different products and you test them and you figure out what's the best. Libertarians, it's on us right now to actually get people to wanna buy our products. So it starts with us uh, getting them interested and hopefully, you know, 2020 and beyond, <laughs> we've learned from some lessons and we can uh, you know, start doing better and plan for 2024.
1: Well, I think that is a great place to wrap up the serious conversation. If you're interested in hearing more of what Brian has to say about marketing, this is what he does every week on his podcast, uh, talking to interesting people and making the uh, advancing the the different ways that you can apply sales and marketing to selling liberty. So that is The Brian Nichols Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Now, Brian, every guest that comes on this show has to do one thing, and you know it, and you've enjoyed (laughs) some of the past ones, but hit us with your hot food take.
0: I so after you're done eating a, a thing of pickles, jar of pickles, I will drink the entire jar of pickle juice. I love it. My favorite. I don't hate that. I like no. pickles. I bet it would be good. It might be very strong. It is strong. Also, here's another fun one. I'll give you a bonus one because if that's not super controversial, uh, I remember once back in college, I was a little inebriated and I was uh, back in my dorm. Just a little bit. And I had a spoonful of peanut butter. It's like two in the morning. And I you know, it was just so much peanut butter and I it was like I need a drink. And I reached into my fridge and the first thing I grabbed was grape juice. And I took a drink and I was like, uh and I was like, wait, no, this is actually delicious. It's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in your mouth. Maya's the bread.
1: Wow. Okay. Yep. I, I've never heard that one before. That Yep. I, that I'll was a new invention I figured see. out that day.
0: <laughs> see how that
1: one goes over. Uh, and with that, we'll leave it there. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening. Make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, and that you go check out Brian's show. Uh, and go ahead, and if you can, leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It really helps. With that, we'll talk again next week.
0: Before we wrap up, I want to tell you about an amazing new podcast. You longtime listeners of The Brian Nichols Show know him well, and that is one Brad Palumbo in his stellar new program, Breaking Boundaries. Join Brad as he interviews top writers, politicians, and thinkers from all across the political spectrum to give you a new perspective you won't find in the mainstream liberal media or right-wing echo chambers. From guests like Rand Paul to Glenn Greenwald, Brad is having conversations and focusing on issues that are driving America with the people who are in the driver's seats. So, head over to your favorite podcast app, hit subscribe, strap in, And be prepared for some wild food takes like Rand Paul and his Grand Mayonnaise Conspiracy. Again, that's Breaking Boundaries with Brad Palumbo available in your favorite podcasting app today. Alrighty, folks. That's going to wrap up my conversation with Brad Palumbo over on his amazing program, Breaking Boundaries. Yes, you've heard the ads here on the Brian Nichols Show. Now you get to hear Brad's amazing program for yourself. So what's next? You have to head over there. Give him a subscribe. Brad is fighting the good fight. And he he is having, as I say in the ads, he's having the conversations with the people who are in the driver's seats in America. And that's what we're going to be doing here at the Brian Nichols Show as we're talking about these different issues as they take place here throughout the country, especially looking at the 2020 lockdowns as they carry forward into 2021, what actually is uh, the topic of conversation with Friday's guest. Friday, I'm uh, joined once again by... Mark Lobliner, he is the CMO of Tiger Fitness, which is the largest online supplement brand in the world. And uh, he's also the CEO of MTS Nutrition, his own independent uh, supplement nutrition brand, which is also featured on uh, Tiger Fitness. And we dig into that. What is it like being a business owner, specifically one in, in uh, the nutrition industry? Um, what's it like being a business owner, having to face these lockdowns, um, the different challenges that he's had to face? And uh, and also, you know, Mark's uh, a conservatarian. I think he's more libertarian, uh, but he, he is definitely empathizing more with the libertarian movement. But he didn't look at the Libertarian Party as a viable option back in 2020. So I'm going to ask him, what can we do as Libertarians to uh, hopefully earn his uh, support as we go forward in 2022 and beyond? So, guys, if you uh, are looking forward to said conversation with Mark Loebliner, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get your podcasts, be it Spotify, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, or elsewhere, and make sure you hit that subscribe button because I don't want you guys to miss a single episode of The Brian Nichols Show, because again, we're having these great conversations, and who wants to miss out on these phenomenal conversations with absolutely phenomenal guests? Also, when you're uh, over, wherever it is, again, your podcast catcher, just do me a favor, give me a five-star rating, and review. Uh, that's all I ask. It's really a great way you can help the show, and it costs you, uh, what, two minutes of your time? So that five stars. And why why are you a member of the Brian Nichols Show audience? I see you guys, tens of thousands of downloads every single month, and you guys are, are joining us because I, I, I think, personally, that you guys are getting value out of learning how to present value, how to take these ideas that are sometimes difficult to discuss and break down, and the fact that we're able to now start communicating to people and showing them Yes, we can reach people on an emotional, empathetic basis because emotion is exactly what people look to when they're making these uh, very impulse sometimes decisions, uh, but then look to rationalize and you know, look for that logic to reaffirm, yes, that was the right choice. My my decision in that buying uh, purchase was the right choice. So it's on us to, to tell the stories, get them captivated, brought in to the greater liberty movement, make that initial purchase. And then to you guys out there who I would say are the engineers teach educate help them understand and rationalize yes it was the right choice. So, guys, thank you uh, for a great day here at the, the Brian Nichols Show because, honestly, I didn't really have to do too much because it was our great friend Brad Palumbo doing most of the uh, the legwork. Brad, thank you for, uh, again, uh, being a, a great friend and all uh, the Brad's doing over, not only at the Breaking Boundaries podcast, but also at FEE and everywhere else. Brad writes uh, National Review, Washington Times, uh, Washington Times that is, isn't and so forth. Uh, so, uh, kudos to Brad and, and folks uh, out there who have not yet gone and followed Brad's work. Guys, you're missing out, so make sure you go ahead and give him a follow on social media. I'll include all the links to uh, Brad's great work here in the show notes, so it's easy for you guys to find as well. Thanks, guys. It was a blast. Thank you so much for joining us here on The Brian Nichols Show. That being said, it's Brian Nichols signing off for Brad Palumbo. We'll see you Friday. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.